0: This move by the Fed, does this really change anything for the Bank of Canada? I think at this point we are looking at a very strong, if not 100% probability of a 75 basis point hike at the July meeting.
1: Welcome to Views from the Desk. A special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. Last week, the Fed raised its key interest rate by 75 basis points, prompting speculation that a similar move by the Bank of Canada may be in the offing. In today's episode, Portfolio Managers Matt Montemiro Chris Heeks, and your host Mark Reyes break down what that could mean for the fixed income market. They also discuss corporate bond spreads, dividend ETF strategies, volatility, and the utilities sector. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca.
2: Hello, and welcome to our BMO ETF weekly insight call with our team of experts. I'm today's host, Mark Reyes, Head of Product for BMO Global Asset Management. I'd like to thank everyone once again for listening in. We really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Today's speakers, we are joined by Matt Montemiro and Chris Heeks, both portfolio managers on our ETF desk. Thanks to both of you for making the time today.
0: Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having us.
2: Good morning. Well, let's get right into things here, a lot going on in the markets per usual. Let's start with the Fed announcement last week, going up by 75 basis points on the overnight. Uh, certainly a, an aggressive move, but something that the markets had, had been anticipating. But as you look forward, what does that mean for Bank of Canada, uh, perhaps at their next rate announcement? And as well, what does it mean for the bond market overall, if you can speak to both the short and the long end? Thanks.
0: Yeah, so you know, last week, the Fed followed through with the market's prediction of a 75 basis point kind of mega hike. It's something that I think if we talked about 75 basis point hike six months ago, I, I think it would be kind of unfathomable to, to a lot of investors. So, you know, we're definitely in a, in a new normal and a, in a new way of, of looking at rate hikes. You know, I think May's elevated CPI print definitely spooked uh, policymakers and, and kind of really forced them into a larger move than I, than they had previously planned. I think they uh, had put 75 on the table as, you know, a breaking case of emergency, and 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 you know May's print really uh, I think scared, spooked the markets and, and forced them to act. You know, if you look at the Fed, they added some verbiage of uh, that they are strongly committed to returning inflation to its two percent objective. This is more direct and forceful than their previous comments on inflation, kind of telling the market that they do expect to continue to act forcibly and the market continues to expect another 75 basis point hike for, for July. So that that brings us to like kind of an implied overnight rate of about 3.5% uh, at the end of the year for the U.S. So, you know, that's another 175 basis points. So if we do 75 in July, you know, that does give the Fed some wiggle room to give the Fed a little bit of a wait and see. And they don't have to be as forceful into the fall. You know, I think inflation uh, does tend to lag. So they, they, I think, the seventy-five now and seventy-five in July. The hope would be that as we look several months out, that will start to have some impact and start to have a meaningful impact on um, bringing and tempering inflation. So one thing that I I look at, and and I, I do think that this does start to question. Uh, the possibility of a soft landing that the Fed has been has been talking about. I, I do think it increases the likelihood that you know this period of rising rates will end in a recession, and that will that the central banks will overshoot. So I think that's just something to consider and and, and to 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 um, look at on the horizon. So with with this move by the Fed, you know, does this really change anything for the Bank of Canada? No, likely no. Uh, it, it doesn't directly impact the Bank of Canada's decision making, but I do think that the willingness to raise by 75 basis points, uh, and the fact that the market really absorbed it as kind of a non-event, it was it was expecting that 75 basis points. I think it probably makes the Bank of Canada more willing to follow suit. You know, 30 minutes ago we just saw a CPI print of 7.7 percent, at the highest print since 1983. Um, so I think just, you know, given that print, I think that's above what, uh, expectations were. Um, I think the highest forecast was 7.8% and we came in at 7.7. So I think at this point we are, we are looking at a, a very strong, if not, you know, hundred percent probability of a 75 basis point hike uh, at the July meeting. You know, last week we did see the probability go up from forty percent to eighty percent after the Fed moved. You know, after today's CPI, um, you know, jumping the way it has, I do think that the Bank of Canada will follow suit. You know, that would bring kind of the end of the summer, the overnight rate being about two point two five percent, and an end of year implied rate of about three point five percent, which would bring it in line with what we what we see in in the U.S. with the Fed. So, you know, while I, I don't think the Fed policy directly impacts, I do think the fact that the market absorbed it well, and uh, and, and the Fed has has had to be very deliberate in, in trying to target and temper inflation. I think the Bank of Canada will follow suit uh, as we go forward. Uh, you know, and I think that tells us that inflation right now is the number one goal for both central banks. So I don't I don't think that we should be surprised if the central banks uh, do overshoot during this hiking cycle. Uh, I think that the focus is on inflation rather than necessarily preventing a recession. So I do think that soft landing that the Fed has been talking about becomes more unlikely um, every time we, we kind of see these mega hikes. So, you know, if you're looking at the, across the curve, I think we're definitely going to see some simpler uh, curve Flattening. I think some forecasts still have kind of end, end of year, 10 year, kind of at that 350, 375 range. Um, so you are, you're not necessarily getting kind of the, the increases in interest rates fully across the curve, but I do think that there is going to be upward pressure across the curve. So while the curve has flattened, I do think that we are going to start, continue to see that upward pressure going uh, further out. You know, looking at how to position myself, you know, I still uh, in, in someone who would favor shorter duration at this point, and looking at uh, using a higher yield in corporate bonds uh, to uh, provide a little bit of that extra yield and protect from that rising rate environment, even though the the uh, we expect the curve to flatten. I, I do think that this recession is a, is going to be a little bit different. Alfred and I have been talking about that for for much of the year. That this is a different recession than we've seen uh, in years past. And I, I think kind of long duration still has um, you know some some downside there. And I'd be a little bit hesitant to put on a long duration bet just yet. I think that might, that could come later this fall. But I think right now we're still probably a little bit early. So if I was looking at how to position my portfolio and my fixed income to kind of you know eliminate some of that downside risk? I'd look at things like ZST or ultra short-term corporate bonds, ZCS or one to five-year corporate bonds. That SDB is a new offering, it's a short discount bond. Now, I think all would be good options to consider right now, given what we're seeing in the markets and expecting from the Bank of Canada Fed going forward. I think that would be a prudent way to kind of eliminate some of the downside that we've seen in fixed income and that we potentially we're going to see going forward. And then, you know, as we move into the fall, you know, that duration bet. Um, could, could look a little bit more uh, realistic, and I think that that would be something that later this year you could consider putting on some some longer duration
2: Great, thanks for that update, Matt, and to your point that you're making. certainly, there are still risks out there. We are seeing again uh, higher inflation prints than perhaps the market is expecting to see, and that is that is a risk, but at the same time, these overnight rate increases. Uh, don't necessarily carry through to the entirety of the curve, uh, and we do anticipate some flattening ahead.
1: For a deeper dive into Canada's big six banks, including an expert outlook for the financial sector and insights into how banks weather uncertainty, listen to the Q2 Canadian Bank Earnings Podcast. It's available now in this same Views from the Desk Podcast series, episode 131. And to learn why now may be a tactical opportunity to add exposure to Canadian banks, check out BMO GAM's latest trade opportunity, available on the Canadian ETF dashboard at BMOETFs.ca.
2: So let's stay with fixed income because you gave us a couple of thoughts about some credit-oriented products. Uh, Can you give us some insights on corporate spreads these days and what you're expecting over the rest of the year perhaps commenting on both investment grade and high yield. Thanks.
0: Yep. I can, I can stick with uh, this one. So we've definitely seen, you know, that risk off tone in the markets. So, you know, we start, we saw it a little bit to start the year and then really the conflict between Russia and Ukraine really rev, rev that up. And uh, we, we've seen corporate bonds uh, hit pretty hard. We've seen some underperformance from corporate bonds uh, year to date, I do think that we are coming uh, upon a a buying opportunity for corporate bonds. So if you if you look at spreads, if you look at start from the start of 2022, corporate spreads have widened about 50 basis points um, year to date. So for context, if you you take out March and April 2020, you know, we haven't seen corporate spreads at these levels since about 2016. Um, looking at it relative to kind of let 's call it historical norms we're still about thirty to thirty five basis points wider than we've we've historically seen and that's going back about ten years right now uh, so although i do you know i think there's there is concern about uh, corporate uh, risk there's a risk of recession as as I said in the last answer with with that potential for the not soft landing and, and, and for us to kind of overshoot and end up in a recessionary environment. Um, I do think though, that the, the widening, um, that we've seen thus far year to date is not based on, on fundamentals. And we, we have seen both investment grade and high yield spreads and bonds, uh, oversold. I think, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of factors that that are coming at play, but I think uh, for the most part, if you look at, um, company balance sheets and fundamentals, I think that spreads uh, and bonds are currently oversold relative to to uh, value. So I do think it could be an oppor- uh, buying opportunity. Um, if you look at uh, high yield relative to IG, um, you know I still, although high yield has widened uh, more significantly than investment grade. And if you look at the differential between investment grade and high yield, they are at wide since we've seen in 2016. That being said, I still do see that uh, IG right now, just given where we are uh, in the economic cycle, as being a little bit more prudent in a portfolio, if, if I was going to compare them. You know, high yield, I, I do think that if we are leaning toward a recession, I do think that high yield will be a hit harder. You'll see investors really start to move Toward safety, we already are seeing that transition as yields go up. Where investors who were reaching for yield for a long time, who are using uh, high yield, increasing the risk in their portfolios, have said, "Hmm, you know, investment grade now has four and a half five percent yield. Why don't I just go into that rather than than um, taking sub investment grade debt uh, risk?" So I do think that we will see a transition there. So I, I, I think. Um, from my perspective, I, I do still see some downside uh, with high yield, uh, but I do see a buying opportunity for, for investment grade credit. So if I was going to look at my fixed income allocations, you know, I, I said you know before that I, I would consider shortening my duration, but I would definitely looking at buying and adding some corporate exposure. You know, I think that corporate exposure will help protect from, from some rising rates because of those higher yields that we're seeing. And it would take advantage of some of that spread tightening, um, that we're seeing at, at pretty wide levels. Like, I think we haven't, uh, I do think that this, this is definitely an opportunity and we'll see some spread com- compression, um, moving into late 2022. So a couple things to, to think about from a uh, ETF perspective, uh, for U.S. exposure, you know, I like ZSU, our one to five year, uh, U.S. investment grade corporate bond hedge to CAD and ZUS, which is our zero to one year. So, that would be a way to play that short-duration uh, IG credit in the U.S. And then in Canada, a couple of uh, new offerings, Z C D B, so our Corporate Discount Bond, uh, and ZQB our Quality Bond, I think are both well-suited uh for investors i think it eliminates some of the downside risks within your portfolio but also allows you to take advantage of that spread compression that that i would expect to see later this year so you know i think right now it's an excellent time to take advantage of some attractive yield numbers you're looking at yields above four percent um and take some of that uh, high-yield risk off the table by by moving up the credit curve and looking in in investment-grade credits. So that's something that I would look at uh, because of where uh, I currently see uh, spreads in the market.
2: Great. Thanks for that update, Matt. Now, Chris, I know you've been waiting patiently, so let's come your way. Uh, Can we get an update on dividend ETF strategies? And certainly, we've been seeing relative outperformance in dividends. But as you think about risk and you think about inflation, uh, anything we need to be concerned about on that front? Or do you feel that dividends are uh, a good factor to be looking at going forward? Thanks. Oh thanks Mark maybe I'll jump to the conclusion first and and answer
3: that last question yes I think I think they are a good factor to look at going forward um lot to risk in the market and and you know great comments from Matt um certainly that risk of inflation is is as we know peaking uh picking up pace um so I think the way we're thinking about equity strategy is you know we want to stay invested how do you stay invested but it's it's a little bit of that late cycle approach to investing you know I think when we started the year with 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 you know the dividend investing kind of thesis and call. You know we were worried about obviously increasing interest rates. That was having a real big uh, negative effect on on high growth stocks, and consequently was a little more favorable for for dividends. We looked at the factor of inflation. You know in inflation inflationary environments tend to favor dividend yield and value, so that was another check mark for dividends. Um, geopolitics was a was a higher risk again the dividends tend to have a little bit less risk than the broad beta another check mark for um you know dividends and now we're adding on this fourth factor for the year which is the rising risk of inflation which again is going to favor you know from an equity relative point of view um, something with a little bit less beta a little more blue chip in nature so um you know i think all the thesis continues to hold um if you look at the last kind of three months of returns your dividend etfs you know, whether Canada, US or or EC, outperforming three to five percent, you know, on a year to date basis, pulling it up quickly, you know, you're looking at essentially seven, eight outperform seven to eight percent outperformance on all, all three of those. So I think you know that the, the, the kind of the overall kind of thesis, it really makes sense. Again, I think the thing we're thinking a little bit more about is is um, you know the risk of inflation and protecting portfolios. Um, and And uh, so, you know, I think we're going to stick with the dividend call. You know, it it is working, you know, quite well. You know, that, like I mentioned, uh, just looking underneath the hood in Canada, the ZDV, our dividend strategies have exposure to financials and energy, which have which have been beneficial. But really, underweight growth, um, which is mostly infotech, has been a big driver. You see that same theme in the U.S. where underweight growth sectors like Infotech or some of those more growthy uh, internet names that are, that are in the communication services or, or consumer discretionary uh, sectors like an Amazon, Facebook, etc. Uh, really beneficial. So, yeah, actually outperforming 10% in the U.S. year to date. Um, so yeah, you know, in short, I think we'll stick with the call and, you know, it's a late cycle. We're looking at it from a late cycle perspective. I think, you know, the, the two kind of key product sets we have, the, the dividends and our low volatility strategies, um, you know, I think they can really complement the beta in a portfolio, um, or, or, you know, may work better as replacements for certain investors who want to, you know, really shave a little bit of risk off the table, but still run, you know, still continue to have that exposure to equities. Um, going forward. So, yeah, still like the dividends, Mark. And, um, you know, I think they're well positioned to deal with some of the challenges we have in the market from a relative basis.
2: Great. Good to hear that, Chris. Now let's take the dividend story one step further and touch in on enhanced dividends or covered calls, Where of course, we're, we're taking advantage somewhat of volatility in the market, uh, by being able to write calls further out of the money. Uh, with our dynamic call writing strategy. But can we get your comments on volatility itself? How long it might stay elevated and what that means uh, when you implement the call overlay on uh, some of our leading ETFs? Thanks. Yeah, thanks. And so, yeah, again,
3: it's really, you know, we talk about it on the podcast from time to time, but that elevated volatility um, can be really beneficial for generating additional income and generating it very efficiently. Um kind of the, the bellwether metric is the VIX index. It's also known as the fear gauge, but that's that's an index that uh index level that's built off option pricing and, and it's a um measure of investors expected kind of future volatility into the market. You know, if you look at kind of the last five years pre-COVID, so you're talking your 20, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19s, we tend to see it below trend. So volatility itself tends to be a mean reverting asset class. Uh, volatility. The VIX index call 15 is your long-term average. When it's below 15, tends to drift up, and when it's above 15, tends to drift back down to 15. That's that's the mean-reverting aspect. But pre-COVID, you know, there was a lot of monetary stimulus, um, you know, some, somewhat easy conditions. There was some good um, constructive fiscal policy as well. We tend to see that VIX below 15, um, kind of in that 10 to 15 range on average. COVID obviously was a, was a traumatic market event, and that sent VIX to actually its all-time record north of 80 um, You know, in March of 2020. It, it, it drifted and normalized back down, but we have remained elevated since COVID. Um, VIX probably averaging in that 20 to 30 range since COVID. And what has happened this year with those factors that we've discussed, rising interest rates, inflation, geopolitics, fear of inflation, the trend has been even higher this year. So uh, right now, as we're taping, we're standing at a VIX of uh, about 31, and the trend, as I mentioned, is, is kind of to the upside. So you know, I think you know, given these factors are still playing out, we expect them to play out over the, you know, we're not talking a couple of weeks, probably you know, year to two years, and it's obviously hard to forecast anything beyond a couple of years in these markets. But you know, this is a this is a something I think is here to stay. And as we circle back to the funds and how we can benefit from it. Um, yeah, on the equity side, uh, you know we've got several strategies. Our high dividend covered call ETFs, like ZWC, ZWH, ZWP, ZWG. Um, moving regionally, um, you know we've got a great suite there. Dividend-based underlyings that have those benefits of dividend portfolios that you know we just talked about a second ago, and additionally can generate that extra income call it three four or five percent depending on the strategy extra option premium tax efficient tax as a capital gain um, and taking advantage of the vix so when that volatility is higher we can you know generate a little more premium we can put those strikes further out of the money it's um, to help uh, provide better upside participation so you know it really is advantageous and um you know especially in an environment where inflation is is high. And, you know, what that means is purchasing power or roads over time. Um, I think generating return and using volatility to generate additional return can be beneficial for investors. So, um, so it's definitely, um, you know, good environments, you know, um, producing a lot of a kind of attractive risk and reward uh, payoffs for it. And when you add it to, you know, solid underlying equity portfolios, like dividend strategies, or maybe it's banks, like a ZWB Canadian banks, Trading at ten times earnings, very attractively valued in my opinion. Um, You know, I think it's an effective way for investors to again um, generate some additional income in this environment to try and keep pace and stay ahead of inflation.
2: Thanks for that, Chris. And just to give investors and advisors who are listening a sense, if we were to take ZWB, you know, if you look back historically, how far out of the money were you writing? And now, at this point in time, uh, how much is that wide? Thanks. Yeah, so one of the things, you know, when
3: we look to our call writing, we only write on half the portfolio and we like to use options that are a bit out of the money um, so that, you know, even if, you know, they'll always have some participation. But if you go back to those really kind of the lowest of the low volatility environments, we always, we don't go closer than 2% out of the money because we want to have some upside. The banks were encroaching upon that level. So, you know, they're in that kind of 2 to 3% zone. You know, one feature of our overlay is we never want to be too greedy for yield. So yes, we could get more yield by going closer, but we wanted to benefit from the upside as well. Um, So we're kind of in that two to three percent out of the money. Um, If you look at it now, um, you know it ranges depending on the day. But you know we're looking probably more in that six to seven percent. Sometimes sometimes a little bit more out of the money for what is the same amount of yield, or actually probably a little bit more yield because of that volatility. So. Yeah, it's um, you know it's much more attractive. You know, some of our other strategies. You know, Canadian banks are actually the least volatile um, kind of underlying exposure. But some of our other strategies, we're seeing that out of the money in this environment. You know, ten percent on average plus. So um, definitely, you know, I think it, like I said, that helps investors have more upside. Um, you know, the you know, and and you know because we do. You know, we are obviously constructive on Canadian banks over time. It's just going to take a little bit of. You know, obviously, there's some things to deal with in the nearer term, but constructive over time and, and investors can
2: benefit from that, you know, you know, eventual upside as we navigate some of these issues. Right. Thanks for that additional insight. I think sometimes hearing the amount that we can change the out of money that we're writing is uh, quite a powerful message for, for advisors to hear.
1: Does market volatility have you wondering where to go to ride out the storm? Not all cash equivalents are created equal, and BMO's money market and ultra short-term bond ETFs offer several high-quality options to park client cash. To learn more, visit bmoetfs.ca and search for tickers ZMMK, ZST, and ZUS or read our latest product insights.
2: Now we do have one more question that's come in, it's an advisor asking about uh, what's going on in the utilities sector, where of course uh, we offer both the covered calls at WU and the sector ETF ZUT? And they had both been holding up reasonably well, but seemed to be dragged down with the more recent market downturn. Uh, can you comment on the utilities market? Thanks.
3: Yeah, so ZUT and ZWU. Uh, ZUT is our uh, equal weight utilities, and ZWU is our covered call utilities ETF. Uh, both performing quite well this year, as you would you know expect when the Canadian index is down eight and the the S and P is down twenty. Uh, those more defensive exposures are are doing um, much better. Uh, so they're down year to date around one and a half percent each. Um, so yeah, some of, like I said, I think it's. Um, a preference for lower risk. You know, we talked about that preference away from growth and towards companies that have kind of more current cash flow. Um, that characterizes utilities. Utilities can have some, um, inflation type hedge, uh, characteristics as, as some of their revenues can be, you know, tied to costs and tied to inflation. So they have a little bit of that inflation hedge in them, but I think the bigger picture, just less risk. And that's what's leading to outperformance. Um, so, uh, yeah, certainly it's a, it's an interesting satellite investment, especially if we're, you know, going to continue on that theme of kind of late cycle investing. A little bit more utilities, um, can be prudent. Um, they're very good yield vehicles. You know, I'd identify the ZWU as having, um, even higher yield. Um, have to pull it up, but it'll be somewhere around 7% yield right now. That one, obviously, as I mentioned, employs that covered call. Overlay on top of utilities. Um, additionally, that portfolio, because it's an option-based portfolio, it's not just um, traditional utilities. It also contains energy pipelines and telecoms. You know, two two other kind of sectors that help round out the portfolio and are somewhat more utility-like in nature. Uh, we've seen the benefit of energy por- energy pipelines um, in that portfolio in ZWU in kind of the last few months and and, and year as well as as energy has rallied. But yeah, two good defensive options. Um, You know, they, like you said, they've sidestepped a lot of the downside, which is you know prudent because I think you know thinking about preservation of capital and generating income is is a good way to think about it. Um, You know, positioning as we're kind of navigating these tricky markets.
2: Great. Well, thanks for that, Chris. And I think that's all the questions we have time for today. So appreciate everyone that's sent in questions. Uh, So we'd like to thank everyone for listening in. We really appreciate your time and thanks for participating. And of course, thanks to both Matt and Chris. Uh, Some really insightful comments today. Uh, A lot going on in the marketplace. So good to get some ideas that we can all take back to our own days and our own portfolios. So appreciate your insights. And with that, just want to thank everyone one last time and have a great day.
1: Thank you. To Mark Rays, Matt Montemuro, and Chris Heeks for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO Canadian Dividend ETF, ticker ZDV, which may be a good option for investors looking to maintain equity exposure amid market uncertainties. Our experts also discussed the BMO Covered Call Utilities ETF, ticker ZWU, which as a satellite investment may help protect against inflation through its attractive yield and covered call overlay, on top of exposure to companies with strong current cash flow. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at BMOETFs.ca. That's BMOETFs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management.